We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers close out their road trip going 2-2 two and two with a blowout loss in OKC. Uh, the first 15 minutes or so of that game, Lakers were playing really well. Like on both ends, it was one of those flashes that you get at different points of the season where it's like, hey, check these guys out, right? Like down, you know, the injury report, Cam's out, Jackson Hayes is out. Pretty much the guy's best best athletes were out, um, and it was one of those games where there's been so many of these the last four years, guys, where it's like, oh, man, like we're just down so many guys. It, it is what it is, and they play well for the first 15 minutes or so, and then I think the lack of depth start, starts to catch up to them. OKC turns it up a notch. They use a lot of swarm tactics, especially defensively. And we, we didn't quite have the size to take advantage of them. Although Anthony Davis had a great uh, offensive road trip, which I think we'll get to at some point. But anyhow, it's one of those, one of those losses where it's like, it is what it is. I wasn't, you know, upset or anything after the game aside from it was like, I wish we had our guys. Um, but it does close out a two and two road trip. Uh, Lakers are 11 and nine and Darius at halftime of the game against Houston on Saturday, that'll be kind of the quarter mark of the season. It's the exact 25% mark of the season. And so I'd love to talk about this game, the road trip, but also over the course of this pod, kind of the, the broader view of, of what we've learned. Cause one thing that we have had one bit of stability we've had in this first quarter is LeBron and AD have been healthy throughout all of it. Both of them have only missed one game each. And so if this is an evaluation period, that's a great foundation to start with of like, you know, who plays well with LeBron and AD and who doesn't and why. And so anyway, I gave you a lot there. Take it, uh, take it where you will. No, I think just to summarize the road trip, I think two and two, I would have loved to have been three and one on this trip, but the number of guys that the team was down by the end of it, I just think is like an unsustainable thing. We were talking about this the other day on the pod, but the Lakers viably have 12 players who could make an argument to be like in the rotation, uh, which is a lot of guys. Mm -hmm. At any given time, I think if they have 10, like that's great and that they'll win at a pretty high rate, assuming two of those 10 are LeBron and Anthony Davis. 
If they have nine, I think that they'll be okay. If they have eight, I think they can win on any given night, but they're really going to need like the majority, if not all of those guys to have like a game that's like to their level, if not above their level. And if they have less than eight, I honestly think they're going to lose unless they're playing like a a really substandard opponent. Mm -hmm. And last night they had less than eight. Like they had seven of those guys. And and then they had JHS as uh, the eighth guy. And that's just not enough dudes. And OKC in particular, um, you need your wings against them. They are a small team. Um, they start uh, J-Dub, the wing, Jalen Williams, as like their nominal power forward. Um, and they start Dort, who is a physical dude, but he's like shorter. And then they start guards. It's like Giddy and SGA are both big guards, but they're guards. And it's one of the reasons why AD was kicking their butts early in the game. Like he was mm-hmm. just taking it to Chet's chest as just like, you guys don't have enough to stop me down, down here. And Mike AD had 15 points in the first quarter and it looked like he could have gone for 50 if it would have been like a reasonable game where the Lakers continued to feature him and play to a certain level offensively. But um, that's not what happened. After the game, um, I think Darvin got asked, like, hey, you guys were playing well. And then what happened, basically? And he um, said that the Lakers started to have a bunch of unfortunate possessions, which I thought was a kind way of him saying that the team started to kick the ball over the court a little bit. Um, They generally lost their discipline. Um, And not just in terms of turning the ball over, but like, a lot of like no pass possessions and just sort of dribbling That's the into mental space part and, of like losing, you know, yeah. getting tired is you start to cut corners and be like, I can't. And we've got a lot of guys on our team that can make certain shots, right? Like I can make this drifting fadeaway going to my right. Like it doesn't mean you should yeah. take the shot, right? And that's one of the ways guys can can cut corners. So, Mike, I thought that it was just one of those games where afterwards – um, It was frustrating because, as Pete said, like just another game where the Lakers have a bunch of dudes injured. But I thought the mindset of the team was like, hey, like we tried and we didn't have it this game, mostly from a bodies standpoint. In the big picture, I guess that's fine. Um, I'd like to see these guys get healthy, though, because personally, like I'm just tired of this. I'm tired of looking at a bare bones rotation. I'm tired of these guys not being able to compete on a certain level. And like I said before, they needed their wings against this this OKC team just to neutralize them in order to be able to keep going to AD and punish them inside. But they didn't. And they lost because of it, I think. Yeah, I think the two and two was reasonable on the trip, given what the limitations were with the guys that were out. And I think that when you. When you consider who was out, it was going to be difficult to beat Philly and to beat OKC, especially OKC being on the back to back. But I also think that the Lakers have to get to a point where they can't just expect that they're going to be healthy. Yes, Uh, they haven't been healthy in years. And a lot of teams in the NBA have had the same issue. Um, Some teams have have found a way to stay healthier than most. Uh, I think that Denver and Sacramento are probably the two that I would circle for the last couple of seasons. And that's certainly been to their benefit, but with the Lakers, they, the depth is good enough, like certainly different from the roster, how it started the last two years where, you know, they can, they can still manage to win games, but I think they got They have to get to a point where 
what you guys just alluded to with uh, Pete, like having enough guys that can go do it themselves, that that does just end up losing them games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony, Anthony Davis is the one that cites this all the time. And this is the, you know, when you don't have that kind of just a, a veteran point guard type that's going to, that on the floor is going to make sure who is getting shots or you have a system that is going to sort of um, adjudicate it a certain way, then I think that they're, they're vulnerable to that continuing to happen unless they just actively really focus on changing it. And that's not easy to do. So it, the, I guess the, to me, the question moving forward for them is how do you, what are some base things that you can go to uh, when with, without being able to rely upon the health and like, how are, how can that get you through not necessarily the back-to-back in OKC when you have to fly from Detroit and you get in at three in the morning, you know, that, that, which is just the tip, the, the most typical of all typical schedule losses, but just trying to get through the rest of the grind of the season uh, and what can they, what can they establish systemically in order to get closer to that so that it, it's not just, oh, th- this guy's out. Well, I'm going to try to do it myself. Well, I think it's important to note that the injury bug struck the team in a very specific way. And like, if you think about it, our stars and our skill guys have been pretty healthy. LeBron and AD, then Austin and Delo have played all, I, I think both of them have played every game. Uh, Christian Wood, has played, I believe, every game. Torian Prince missed two games, but these are all the guys that are to provide the the shooting and right and the the skill aspects of the team. But the injury bug struck us D in a way where it's like Vando and Cam and Gabe Vincent is not a guy that's an athlete in that sort of way, but is a guy that defensively is a point of attack option, right? He's a guy that uh, in very limited minutes, him and D'Lo played really well together in part because Gabe can do some things physically defensively and can play off a ball. And D'Lo's that classic like combo guard type that he's kind of a point guard, but kind of a shooting guard, right? And so that's sort of true of, of Gabe as well. Anyhow, um, the injury bug struck in such a way that it's hard to build around much. Like, it, if you don't have enough of those guys, you you run into a certain level of limitation. Yeah. So you mentioned Vando and Cam, and then obviously um, Rui's been right. out. Yeah. Um, the center who's been out too has been Jackson mm-hmm. Hayes, which is like another like run and jump guy mm-hmm. who um, just has a little bit of pop. When you're not a supreme athlete and you do rely on your skill, if the shots aren't falling Mm -hmm. or, and I think if there's like a certain casual nature to your game, which I think that this um, speaks to like D'Lo and to a certain extent Wood is like this as well. well. Uh, Yes. Prince's motor runs a little bit higher than, but his motor isn't, Prince isn't a physical guy. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, he's like one of those like uh, scooters that you like get to point A and point B that you rent. If he gets clipped, it's just like, he's going to get knocked off track yeah. is what I mean. But he could keep going and going and going. It's just like, if you screen him, he might get knocked off his path too easily. Right. There's stuff like that that's going the, on. It's also though that it can also be the watching a long rebound, like bounce right in front of you and not yes. track that down. Like he's playing a lot of the two spot now. And I'm sorry, this is going. Yeah, we're off we're track, off, but who cares? We're off track. Let's but go. Like we talk about our rebounding woes, right? And it's like, oh, box out better, right? That's the solution for everyone. And of course, boxing out is good. But if you think about it, if somebody takes a three-point shot and you are boxing them out right under the basket, where, if that shot is a miss, where is it likeliest to land? 
it's about 15 feet away from the basket, right? So if it's yeah. a three, it's likely to bounce over that guy's head. So if there's no sandwich rebounding component, right? Like, so if I'm closer to the basket than you are and the ball goes over both of our heads, it's actually you that has the advantage to get the ball if it's not that's right. a perimeter defender. And that's where the, the guard rebounding becomes really important. And so, like, Prince has some great speed aspects to his game, but it's more a reactiveness where it's like there's a, there's a saying in coaching where you want to move on the pass rather than on the catch defensively, meaning that as the player's passing the ball, you want to be sliding in your defensive shell to the next spot. A team that yes. is not mentally locked in is, like, watching it's, – it's this little bit of, like, you're watching TV and you're like – Oh, the ball moved to the next position. Now I react to it. And that's bad, right? You want to move on the pass as it's happening. And so Prince has a lot of that, like, and so a lot of the long rebounds that bounce and hit the free throw line and stuff. And he was mad at himself on one last night. But those are the types of things where it's like, yes, his motor, I I agree, it runs high, but it's more of a reactiveness, you know? Higher than the other guys. I was like, sorry, right? Yes. So, so no, no, I'm with you though, because I think that it's important. Mike, please. Well, just, so just, just try to f- put together what this means though. It, it's LeBron and AD being the base. And then you have some guys that are your athlete types that, you know, that can complement a certain way. And then you have some types that are more your skill types and you don't have a lot of guys that are both. Uh, and mm. that's, that's the difference to me between like the, the 2019, 20 team, where you had you had a lot of guys that were sort of that did a little bit of both um, of those things. And there there are guys like that on this roster. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying what we've seen with guys being out, it's been a little bit more of a stark difference. And that is why, like, somebody is going to be injured, you know, whether it's one of the stars, not going to whether it's a skill guy, whether it's a an, an athlete type. And there I think that there just has to be a way for the Lakers to get a little bit closer to molding and melding these groups you know, so that there's there's a way that they play. Um, and, you know, OKC was was I, I agree with Pete. There were just too many of the athletes out and it was going to be difficult to get to much of those lineups without really stressing uh, the guys further and like expecting LeBron to be uh, on a, at a certain level on a third game in four nights, which is just not going to be possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- that's that's where I, I think that they can still get there. Um, but they're there just has to be a little bit more focus as to and, and more direction because guys are like the limitations that guys are showing, I think are real. You know, it's not like yes. they're doing it on purpose. Yes. Let's take a break here. We'll come back, uh, keep up the, the conversation. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So 
I'm watching the end of the game last night and I'm, I'm bummed just cause it's been like, there's been so many nights like this the last four years where it just is, it is what it is. And then freaking Mike Crudell comes on my television set, or at least his voice does at the end of a blowout, Billy Mack k- kicks it down to him. And I always talk about how the Lakers are my favorite novella. Right. And he's like, but I'm hearing there's a chance that everybody except for Gabe Vincent might be available on Saturday. And it's like, fucking tune in next time on the Lake Show. I'm like, all right. So, Mike, I got <laughs> to interrogate this a little bit, man. What do you know? Well, that's not exactly what I said, but it's close. Okay. Uh, I, I said the only player that's been ruled out is Gabe Vincent. So, okay. At, right. So, in other words, like, so you're telling me there's are, a chance. When you, yes, there's a chance. When, when you're on a trip like this, that usually what happens is that guys will get kind of the the reevaluation like checked out not just by the training staff but by the team docs and etc like Rui wasn't on the trip right so right so they're just there's steps that have to happen for guys to return oftentimes you wait until you actually get back in town and so Rui is being checked out right there and so that's why he's kind of in his own independent place where okay the nasal fracture how is it? Like, can it be worse? Is it is it a simple broken nose? Is it something else? Can he just play with a mask and he's and he's going to be fine? Okay, great. If so, and so that that's one. Vanderbilt has been with the team, but I think they wanted to get that he didn't actually practice because the team didn't practice once on this trip, nor did they practice on the previous long trip, and that's that's a whole nother conversation. That's a whole nother topic. It's different from how it used to be in the NBA, but this is the new norm. Uh, and mm-hmm. with the with the way like the three games and four nights, that's the biggest reason why it's basically impossible. What are you going to practice on your off day uh, and have LeBron and AD go out there, you know, for X amount of minutes? So they do have a stay ready group, which Vanderbilt was participating in. But that's different from a, a usual type of practice. Alas, now we move to Cam Reddish. So Reddish returned after missing three games with the groin. And then it was a back to back. So what we don't know is, did he not play because it was a back to back? Did he not play because the groin was a little bit sore when he came back? Uh, we're not sure because that wasn't that wasn't a question that got. There were so many injury questions in the game itself that like that specific one with Cam um, didn't get asked. So those, but all of those guys could return. And then Jackson Hayes, it seems like with the sore elbow, you know, same kind of thing. It's not a. It's not a type of injury that you you're automatically ruling them out further. It seems more like a day to day thing. So, Pete, I, that was a long winded way of saying what I tried to say on the TV, which, hey, all of these guys could be available. I, I think at least a couple of them will for sure. But we don't have that confirmed and we won't until because uh, today is an off day. Uh, we won't until essentially shoot around on Saturday if they have it. Otherwise, just before the game. The other day, Stu, sorry, the the other day, Stu, you guys showed that uh, picture of Stu as a Detroit Piston, right? And then he like casually remarks like, oh yeah, that thing on my left hand is a brace or something. I'd broken my wrist. And so like, like 30 seconds go by and it's like Billy Max, like Mike, Mike has something. And you're like incredulous, Mike. You're like, wait, wait, what, what, what? And so Stu like yeah. kind of under his breath, he's like, they'd rule me out for the whole year if it was nowadays. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to draw some focus to Stu's toughness. Anytime I get a chance yeah. to big up Stu in any way um, on the broadcast, uh, I try to lean into it and, you know, you know, in the same way that Stu will sometimes give Billy a hard time. It's like it's the opposite with Stu. It's all yeah. about gassing Stu up um, and getting him in a certain mindset. And I think 
here, let me kick this to you, Darius, but the game has changed. I, I think that there are, it's not all right. Like I, I get into these discussions with Michael and Stu sometimes on the bus and I feel like I'm, I'm like defending the current player. And yet I have more of an old school mentality with injuries. Uh, and maybe that's partly by being around Kobe for eight years and that and Kevin Garnett before that, when I started in Minnesota, where like you just figure out how to play with stuff, you know, it's not going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And the, the overall, I don't know if attitude is the right way to describe it, but the, the, the way that these things are, are handled now, um, whether it's coming from the team or the player or some combination or the agent or all of it is just more like, let's just be cautious. And I, you know, I don't know that that's, um, that that is helping in terms of the, like the league writ large, but maybe, maybe there's a validity to it. I'll, I'll tell you what, it's definitely making guys miss more games than they used yep. to. Um, but it's also a, a more fast paced game. And I, I do think that like guys are out there really pushing hard. And then when not, when they're not practicing, maybe that zero to 60 That's, uh, situation as opposed, you know, as opposed to like 45, 45, yep. 15, 45, you know, that to me is is part of it. But that, again, that's a whole nother thing. And that's league wide. Well, it's like, look, there are very sim- similar things happening in like baseball, right? Where it's just like you talk about this with like starting pitchers and guys used to pitch every third day, every fourth day. Um, and now it's like every fifth day and then like every fifth start, they get a they they actually don't start. Right now, there are like these almost like bullpen days where you know that like your starters may be going to go like three or four innings and then the bullpen is going to eat the rest of the game. And there's a lot of that going on now. There's also like, oh, we're pulling this guy and he's thrown a shutout through seven innings, but we're pulling him. And it's just like that never used to happen. Right. And I'm not even a baseball guy, but it's just like I just know the culture around this stuff. It's not just basketball. It's it's changed all like like all over. I don't want to be old man yelling at clouds. Here's my thing. I'm just talking about myself here and like my own mindset is I played team sports growing up when I was a kid. I also did individual sports. Like I trained, like I trained martial arts and I get in there and I'd spar and I I do kumite and all this stuff. And you're out there by yourself in those. And like when it's time you knuckle up or you, and you win or you lose and you do that all, all on your own. But in the team sport, and this is just my mentality around anything. Like I'm like this at work or part of my job. It's like you ask me to do something and I'm going to try to step up within the context of the team to try to make the, the performance of the team matters to me. And um, if I could play, I would play. Even if I didn't feel 100% like, oh, like I'm coming back from a sprained ankle. Like I'm trying to push to get on the court because I would feel like I was letting my team down. Right. And that's just my mindset. And so I do carry some frustrations around like guys missing as much time as they do, not just with with the Lakers, but around the league. And it is some of that mindset that Mike was talking about around old school stuff, because this it was like this before Kobe Bryant existed. Mike, it's not just Kobe that informed my view on this. It, It was like I watched the 80s Lakers, the Showtime guys and like Pat Riley pushing these dudes through four hour practices and then like playing the next day. It's just like, this is just what you did. Again, I don't want to be old man yelling at clouds. It's just like we came up in a different era and it informs the way that I view this. Well, when we had Josh Powell on recently, and that was so much fun, Mike, I hope we can do something like that again. Um, 
one of the things that he said was that that team was really forged in how hard they practiced. And that was one of the things that really stood out to me kind of in retrospect of listening. It was like, not only were they practicing, they were, you know, really getting after it in those practices. And I too don't want to be the old man yelling at the clouds, but the thing that you said, Mike, and again, I really want to emphasize, this is an NBA wide topic we're talking about right now. This is not just a Lakers thing. Um, But that, is there evidence that it's helping? Like, are guys physically better because – and I would argue that, like, not practicing exactly what you were saying, going from zero to 60, like, basketball has a lot of quick and furtive type of movements, right, where – especially on defense, you're reacting to – one of the world's best athletes across from you to whatever they decide to do. And you've got to do something very quickly. And so there's all these just like quick things where a muscle can get strained and all of that. And I like, I'm way out of my depth in in terms of this topic and the, the physiology behind it. Right. So it just seems like, again, with the more missed games and all of that, Mike, that I, I don't see the evidence for like, this is actually producing a positive outcome at the end of it. Yeah. I, well, I think the NBA has been looking into this as well, right? This was part of the whole uh, the whole push to try and, and, you know, have a certain level of player participation in games, right? And not sitting in certain national TV. But I I, I haven't, I don't want to quote the study, but I think this, the short of it is just that sitting out more and resting more is not helping uh, in terms of like guys then playing more. It, it ends up building upon itself, I think, in the other way uh, is is more what we've seen. And you just hit on a couple of the different reasons why. But in short, like if you're if if your body is prepared to do a certain thing and you know that there's also a mentality that goes with it. And when when it's like, oh, I'm a little sore, let's not have let's not go today. Let's not push it. Then that just begets the next one. Yep. Um, to come that becomes and it sort of builds upon itself yeah. in that way. Yeah. But but I think like for right now, for these purposes, for the NBA today and, and for this Lakers roster, I don't think that these these types of habits are going to change this season. And so that's where we get right mm-hmm. back to, okay, so so now what? If you can't count on the same type of rotation, um, if you can't count on certain guys being available um at all times, then how do you build your team? How do you build your roster? How do you make sure you have some some base level of things that you can go to when the new normal is to have some guys in and some guys out yeah. um, as opposed to a consistent rotation. And and that's, I think the a question that's, that's pretty difficult to answer. Oh yeah. Let's take a break here. Again, I think with this particular Lakers team, the types of players that the injuries struck, like I think having, four or five of your rotation guys out for any team is going to be tough. Um, But when they all strike kind of a specific part of your roster, that adds an extra level of, of difficulty to it. And so if a couple of those guys that we were talking about earlier might come back and are back for a decent stretch, I think that we do have enough. And I do think we have more of those connecting parts, D. And so I guess, what have we learned about what this team is, both good and bad, as I think we get sort of these more connecting type of players back that can complement some of the things that the guys who have been healthy are not? Yeah, so I think it's safe to say that like LeBron and AD have been true catalysts for for the team. And like, I think that there have been some ups and downs with like both like both of their games and like we can nitpick them. But I think it's important to also like not 
nitpick them too hard considering like how good they've been and how important they've been to the Lakers. We're 11 and nine with a lot of things wrong, man. And they're a big reason why. AD's got plenty of people nitpicking him. So I, I, I tend to be way on the other yeah. side of that. And I, I know you guys do too. Yeah. It's just one of those things. And so I don't even want to go, go down that road. We we've, we've had that conversation a bunch. I think one of the things that's super interesting to me, Pete, is like we harped and harped and harped for like years, basically. Like the Lakers need a skill guard, the Lakers need a skill guard, the Lakers need a skill guard. And they've got two of them now, really, in D'Lo and Austin. And what I'm finding is interesting is that D'Lo's been playing really well. We 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 talked about like overall, mm-hmm. he's been playing well. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this in yesterday's pod. D'Lo's also a complicated figure because, like I said, there's like a certain casualness to to his game. And his floor is a bit lower than what we would want for a player who has as high of a ceiling as he does while also needing to depend. Yeah, that's the big part of it is like, yeah. The, the other part of this is that, let's just be frank here, Austin has not played to the level nope. that he's needed to play to this year. And he's been below expectations. He hasn't been a bad player. I think he's been fine. But the Lakers were expecting Austin to be better than fine. In fact, they were expecting him to be better than good, or if not expecting, hoping for him to be the like third, quote unquote, third guy. And what that looks like is probably closer to what D'Lo's been providing, but with a higher floor that Austin can provide just based off the fact that he has over the first two years of his career been more of a dirty work player, a guy who does way more of the intangible stuff. And Austin's been good at that stuff this year, but he hasn't been to the level that he has in the past. And so it's like when we talk about, oh, they need a skill guard, they need a skill guard, they need a skill guard. Well, they do, right? But what it looks like they also need are the athletes to support the skill guard. It's two wings on a plane, and, man, yes. And the athletes to support LeBron and AD. Like when you guys were talking about earlier, the long rebound stuff and talking about Prince, there was a play last game against OKC where AD got caught on the perimeter and someone took a jump shot and it was a long rebound and everyone was like sucked in and AD was about to like go up the court. Right. But he turned around and he saw the ball bounce and he was just like, am I going to go and grab this ball? Because is someone else going to do this or do I have to? Right. And he said, I have to. And he went and he rushed and grabbed the ball. And I was just like, this is a thing that doesn't happen enough on the court. Your perimeter guys have to do that. Yeah. Yes. And it was it was just such an aha moment to me that like, here's Anthony Davis right? Who is basically the guy who you ask to do everything in the paint on both sides, sides of the floor. Now he's out on the perimeter because he got switched out there. And now he actually did do the thing that that you need all of your guards (laughs) to do. Like he had to do that too. And it was just, it was just a highlighting moment to me that like the things that this group needs 
in support of them are the things that Vando and Rui. And so like, I hate to break it to you, Mike, but in that whole idea of like, well, what are you going to do if these guys aren't available and you can't count on all of these guys to be healthy? If these specific dudes are the dudes who are not healthy all season, the Lakers are not going to be as good as we need them to be. They're just not because they're lacking in a critical skill set that this roster desperately needs in support of their skill guards. D'Lo and Austin. And, and their stars. They're sort they of are the connecting aging. piece between those two places. Yep. Yeah, they're they're aging bigs who are their superstars in LeBron and AD. And that's the part that's that's missing. And the fact that that part of the roster has been wiped out is just like, what the hell? They're the bridge. That's <laughs> yeah. how you connect yeah. these two parts of the roster. And they're just not there. Well, you're not going to get an argument from me on that one. I, I, I've, I'll, I think I've... Even with you two, with you two, and the whole like skill guard or versus like the big wing, like the the athlete, like I've certainly skewed uh, with 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 the big wing um, frame. I'm I'm just trying to also figure out with. Well, here, Pete, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say like I don't mean that like athletes aren't important. It's just that you do need to have a skill guard out on the court. That I think, it, especially with this particular build, it, to put a brief synopsis on what I think this team is, I think it's a hyper-athletic build around LeBron and AD with one skill guard on the floor. We were talking about this the other day, but like one skill guard that can really knock down a shot or do something off of a screen, you know, versatile combo guard type. But I think this is going to be a really big team, kind of a 90s, early 2000s-ish team that being big can happen on the perimeter for sure but i think that that is what we're going to be skewed toward and so yeah that I, I i i'm not saying that those that those athletes aren't important you just do need a skill yeah. guard sure it's just i lebron is this a lot of this is a lebron conversation and lebron when he's initiating most of the possessions which he still does and especially when things matter like he that can function as a skill guard um, and so oh, yeah. it, like, w- w- and that's, that's been my point all along. Like he's your, he's the top of the roster. Then you have AD. So if, if I have to pick between like a skill guard and a big ass wing, um, that, that, that's that argument. But of course, ideally you have both. And now they have Austin and D'Lo that can do that. But as Darius just said, it, it falls apart when you don't have the guys that can do more of the, you can even call it role player things uh, in some ways, just yeah. getting getting the rest of the actual work done. And that is like Austin sometimes can is really good in that sense. But I think that he's leaned in more yep. um, to being a skill guard. Yep. And he and Russell some ways kind of like on and off the court. I think there's a little bit of a mind meld um, there in in the way that the way that they're playing. And, and so that's that's again where if you have five guys out and four of them are the types that are going to are going to be like for the OKC game. Uh, that's that's a difficult thing to say or to to expect something else to happen. But there there's no argument about them needing those guys back. I'm at the place, Pete, where it's just like I'm sort of where you are that it's like give me one of those guys on the court and then give me size and athleticism in defense like yeah. on like on the rest of the court. And I think Mike's probably in agreement there, too. Yeah, my only point is you need yep. one more guy next to LeBron that can do that, right? Like that one other guard. We're 20 games in now. We we will almost always go back to the team that actually won a championship 
when thinking about LeBron and yep. AD because like that's the one team that has been successful with those two guys at the core of it. And so I think we're always going to search for and extract the ideas of what was successful back then and try to apply it to, to new rosters. This is the roster to me that closest resembles any of the rosters after that. Mm-hmm. To that right? team. It's because they have the forwards on this team. They have the guards who, in theory, can like hit open shots. Those guards are not like the defensive guards that the Lakers guards were that season, where it was like Caruso and Danny Green and Avery Bradley KCP. and KCP. Those guys all had such a higher defensive ceiling than what this current crop of Lakers guards guards have. But let's not act as though Vando as like a perimeter defender or Cam as a perimeter defender, like that those guys can't make up for some of this, even Prince with the weaknesses that we talked about earlier, he definitely has utility Mm -hmm. against a bunch of different types of perimeter players defensively. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot to work with there. But the thing is, is that because D'Lo and Austin specifically are not defensive players, like, and D'Lo has been better this year. Austin has probably been like Below the level, oh, he yeah. was defensively. No, he's not taking season. charges. Is not drawing a ton of the, you know, like he he's had games where he does that, but where he's drawing illegal screens because he's fighting over the top. Part of it too, though, is within the absence of those guys. Like there was a a stretch where it was like Austin was the guy that had to guard Shea, and like yeah, he was on Shea for a long stretch. You're gonna get beat. Like I, I don't know what to tell you. You put Prince on him. Prince is like listed as like a small forward, power forward, right? You think he's gonna? guard SGA on the like that's actually where the game shifted to uh when when yeah. Max went out after that first unit yep. had established a nice rhythm they were basically pounding OKC and then they put Prince in and Shea scored like eight straight points uh in about four minutes and it was kind of like yeah and I'm, okay. not, I'm not mad at Prince about that right like I don't I, I have yeah, no it's, it's, it's like, like Shea like like Lisa League and scoring or whatever it's just like yeah. yeah it's just that if we're talking about the things that we've learned I think it's that the Lakers guards and the Lakers stars all need the same thing in support of them. Yeah, well said. Right? And if and if we're talking about what this team needs moving forward, like we haven't, remember when we talked last year, it was like this time of the year, every pod was about a fake trade. Just, like yeah, we literally talked about season. trades for the, the entire first gonna, half <laughs> of yeah. the season. Like, I remember and, it a little different, but. Well, no, we, we, you, we, I don't think we talked a lot about the fake trades. I think that you were doing the trades on the side. I'm just saying that we talked so obvious as opposed to the yeah. no, oh, my bad. Yeah, no, it was, <laughs> it was so obvious watching the games that it just there's no possible oh. way that that mix works. Yes, yes, that's different from this year. Yes, yeah, they yes, just, yes. Even they on get the, some guys in the court. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my point is, is like even on the pod, Pete, like we were talking about this roster is very likely to look different oh, right. after the like trade we just got to get there we got to get to the trade yes deadline. we just got to get yeah. there we got to hang tight what can you do now in yep. order to, to make this work the best because, that it can yep right because in the big picture we understand a change is going to be made we haven't talked about change at all this season within the context of roster changes right and we're not going to do that now necessarily my point is though is that if you're projecting moving forward like the idea of needing this specific type of player and who all happen to be injured right now to connect the guards with the stars then one of the ideas that is probably out there too is that well like would it be better if one of your guards 
was more like this, like could be one of those bridge players too, mm. right? Mm. And right now, that's not the case. And so without a change to the roster, this team does need these dudes to get back, two of them, ideally. Yeah. Like, And hopefully it's Rui soon because Rui is super helpful yeah. next to LeBron and he helps lineups with Wood and Hayes next to LeBron work. And hopefully one of those dudes is Vando because mm-hmm. I like Vando. I miss Vando. He's yeah. good at doing a lot of regular season stuff that's going to be super helpful to this team. I think Vanderbilt's got a good shot uh, to play on Saturday. Like if he has a good, you know, if it all goes well and he's cleared and all that and that kind of thing. And then, you know, the next question is just integrating him in. Uh, but the things that he just does by being himself on the court, um, I think will be helpful uh, in their own way. And you don't need him to play 30 minutes, you know, right away. But um, just that as a connector and a defensive piece and, a, and chasing around screens and guarding the best guy, like all of those things um, that he can do just by being him, uh, you know, regardless of what's going on around him, I think can be immediately helpful. And then r- most of the two man lineup stuff we were looking at the other night, Pete, like a lot of Rui's oh, yeah. in a lot of the good lineups. He's in a lot of the know, good so lineups, just, isn't he? So, so just getting Rui out there, I think can help a lot. Amen. All right. Uh, we've got a home game against the only team in the NBA without a road victory this season, the Houston Rockets on Saturday, you know, the ominous uh, tones behind that. We will be back on Monday to discuss how it went. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They win. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the score. move. Two, one, miss it! It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes! And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.